Well, we have been studying the book of Mark. Today we're going to unfold chapter 14. Remember, just remember, remember we need how, where you need to focus. The book of Mark is about grace and deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you hear something in the Bible, don't try to scatter off some other direction. Just focus on the grace and the deity of Jesus Christ, and then you will hit the mark. In this chapter 14, Jesus is basically saying, through the entire illustrations and examples and, and uh, even the Last Supper, uh, things that's untold uh, in chapter 14, what Jesus is saying in summary is saying this, grace is near. In other words, the coming of grace. And we all take not so much granted, you know, grace, you know, it's given, we have it. Yes, we do. The moment that you proclaim the Son of God is our Savior, we receive grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. But at that time, they have not yet received grace. They cannot receive grace. The only way you can receive grace, the two events, which is one, has to take place. Crucifixion and resurrection. Only then would Grace be given birth to us all. This past Friday, which is a couple of days ago, we had our first uh, in a long time uh, Sunday, not Sunday, Friday worship for our youth. Now, in this church, a few years back, we had about 30 to 40, actually more like 40 to 50 high school kids who gathered together on Fridays and worship. It was a powerful moment. And we have a mission to, to begin that again. And um, so that was uh, our first Friday uh, worship service for our youth group. Um, they got more than what they bargained for because we had uh, five teachers, including myself, who were all present uh, during the uh, uh, engaging with their lives. We uh, prayed, we praised. And we showed the video clips, they studied the Word of God, and played even Bible trivia. Uh, they moved around, and uh, one of the Bible trivia, when they were doing on the uh, kids' room, one of the questions was, do Jewish people eat rabbit? And I'm saying, like, uh, they were like, you know, machine, they have to answer yes or no kind of thing. I'm, I'm thinking, like, I know about fish, I know about pigs, and never really talked about rabbit. So I had to, I'm just thinking, is it someone in the Bible? But I know how the description is, but I think I can click. But they had to click real fast, I guess, in the machine, and the computer machine. And they all says, they don't eat rabbit. And I'm still trying to figure it out. They all had a right. We got real smart kids in the, in the uh, you know, uh, uh, youth group. Now, after watching video, it was very interesting. It was about dance video that one of uh, our the worship leaders uh, uh, showed uh, to show them, get, get them going about the dance. It's in, uh, you know, dance. And uh, it wasn't necessarily a worship dance, but it was, it was a, a dance to, to engage with the youth group. And then the worship leader basically asked, okay, now that you have seen the dance, tell your impression. In one word, what are your impressions? So one said, it was a savage. The other one said, it was hype. 
One person said, it's inspiration. The last person said, satisfaction. How can you get this different mix of emotions you know, from one dance that it's inspirational, the satisfaction, at the same time, just the hype, and it's a savage. I was floored. I was totally floored. Because if you look at it, because I know at that time the presence of spirit was there because as we were discussing the book of Mark, it's all about the savage act of the people who killed our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was killed like a savage. You all agree with that. And when, and when people got engaged, crucify him, crucify him, it was all about hype. It's like, oh, everybody's getting together to, to crucify that there's somebody over there who claims the son of God. That can't be true. Kill him, kill him. It was all hype. But the resurrection gives rise to hope and what inspiration. And that inspiration gave the meaning to grace. And because of grace, we are what? We are satisfied. There's no way we as believers can be satisfied without grace. So that even simple video was very, very powerful discussing what it means to our lives as Christians. In one word, what we're going to talk about today can be summed up once again to this. Grace is coming. Grace is near. In other words, his death is near. The resurrection is coming. So through the acts of savage, through the hype, gave way to inspiration, and with grace we are now satisfied. John Piper summarizes the best way. God is most satisfied in us when we are most satisfied in him. You want to satisfy God? You want to please God? Oh, yeah, you could do some cleaning at the church. Oh, you got to do that too, guys, by the way. <laughs> but God is most satisfied with us all when we are satisfied in him. Are you satisfied with him in your lives? That's when God is satisfied. And today we have a guest speaker. I'm going to give uh, uh, you the introduction uh, about the uh, uh, Mark uh, chapter 14. And uh, Frank Cariola is going to come up and talk about Gideon ministry, uh, how they, uh, what inspires, what satisfies them to give Bible throughout the nations and throughout the world. And then he's going to continue the message of chapter 14. In conclusion, when I was in the hospital, there were 18 people waiting for heart transplant. And I think I told you in the past, I was leading a Bible study. And most of them are kind of not 
followers. I'm not, I don't want to say non-believers, non-followers. So half of them are Catholics. They claim they're Catholics, but they're not a church-going Catholics. Uh, there's some Protestant, but then they say they're Protestant, but they're not really, you know, following uh, or going to church kind of uh, followers. And myself and maybe a couple others were like sort of, a, you could say, devout Christians attending church and doing the things that we think that God will be pleased. And at that time, I was broke. I didn't have any money. I think you know my story, my testimony. How I didn't have enough money to uh, pay uh, uh, money for uh, uh, pay the uh, money for uh, sneakers for my kids. So I wanted to give these people a Bible, but they didn't have one. I could have easily just called someone at our church. My friend from Gideon came to visit me. He said, "Tim, what can I do for you?" Oh, I know, you'll pray. Ah, what about some Bibles? How many do you need? 18, he brought a whole bunch. Give to some other people in the hospital as well. He brought some Bibles. And when we are doing this table ministry with uh, uh, Pastor uh, uh, Ben, um, he needed some Bible for these folks that they are, he's ministering to. Um, but most of them, I, at that time, were, I guess, is Spanish-speaking. So... Ask Gideon, do you guys have some Spanish Bibles? Of course we do. We've got Spanish, we've got Korean, we've got Chinese, we've got Japanese, we've got Italians and everything. Well, bring some over. So they brought like several hundred uh, Spanish uh, Bibles, and we gave them out in the uh, Kensington ministry. Why do they do what they do? Why do they live in verb, they actually do, instead of just passively observing, proactively engaging. And you know, what do we need to focus in Book of Mars? It's grace, because of grace. They received the grace. It was so satisfying. And the only way they could do is live in ver instead of now and just go out and do what they feel is pleasing God. That they are demonstrating that God is most satisfied in us when we are most satisfied in him. The people in the Gideon ministry, they have received grace. They were they wanted to share their grace. And one way to share their grace is engaging in this Bible ministry and, and, and giving out the Bibles just anywhere, everywhere they're possible. As you know, they're, uh, I'm not going to steal your thunders, but basically, you know, Gideon's Bible is everywhere in the hotels today. And a lot of testimonies comes from those people who read the Bible in the hotels. Now, in this chapter, chapter 14, book of Marks, Jesus is now really zeroing on grace. Remember, in the chapter 1 through, say, around 10 somewhere, Jesus was a kind of basically nice guy. He went around, healed people, you know, he just did the nice things. He told, you know, he did the nice things to demonstrate to them, I am different. 
indirectly suggesting and showing that he is truly the Son of God. Never saying that he is Son of God, but he showed it. But when we use parables from chapter 1 to all this time, he used parables to describe what grace is all about. Through this grace, you will receive. You get to go to uh, heavenly kingdom. It's a, it talks about that again and again. So in this chapter, Jesus is now zeroing in on grace. In chapter before this one, before God, Jesus is now is like a little, in our terms, anxious. Because what? Three, four days prior to him dying on the cross, sacrificing, and all these disciples, he follows him, but they don't know what that man, in fact, whether it's really going to happen. The Bible was very clear. I am going to be risen from the dead in three days. Like, huh? They have no idea what that meant. It's very clearly recorded. Even three, four days before Jesus' crucifixion, they just did not know. And to the point where God is now giving the warning, the consequences of not receiving grace in a few more days. So he's zeroing in. So what did he do? He cursed the tree to demonstrate if the people of Israel, the tree represents Israel, if the people of Israel does not bear fruit, does not follow the Son of God to the grace, you'll be withered. Send message to us. And then, and then, he did the, what we call the angry part. He rode donkey to the Jerusalem. And what did he do? He overturned the tables in a sort of a anger, in a, not in a dissatisfaction way. If you don't receive grace, there will be consequences. In chapter 14, now has done all that. Now he's saying, here, I want to tell you, the disciples, you guys and the people, grace is near. The point is, that's how important the grace is. So when you receive grace, we just, you know, we can't, you're not supposed to be able to contain ourselves. You know, when you have, when you receive your birthday gift, you're happy, you know, but you know, you just, that's where it stops. When you've received the gift of grace, it shouldn't be something that you can contain ourselves. It needs to be able to show from us with an actions. So in Mark chapter 14, verse 24, this particular verse is part of that last supper the communion came from. And Jesus is saying, this is my blood of the covenant. This is my promise to you. This is a God's promise to you. Not just a promise from now on, but the promise that was already uh, promised in Old Testament. The prophecy that this shall happen. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He's now saying, grace is near. I'll be pouring my blood. 
that's when you will begin to now really taste and see what grace is. Grace is going to come to you through the Holy Spirit. You will be given this amazing gift. When my blood pours out, that's when grace will pour out as well. That's what he's saying. And after that, as you know, he would die like a savage. His blood will be pouring out from that day on. But Jesus turned the evil, the act of a savage by the people, he turns the evil to good, to grace. Even that alone, it's just, just amazing. In the next verse, 25, I tell you the truth. I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day. What day is that? That day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. I will be resurrected. 24, I will be crucified for you. Next verse, I will be resurrected. It's the inspiration. And when the, the, when the, when the crucifixion and, and, and sacrifice and the resurrection and, 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 and they come together, that's inspiration that the, uh, our high school students pointed out. In other words, when he pours out his blood, the kingdom of God will be realized to us all. Remember I said this again and again. If you don't really understand what grace is, crucifixion and the resurrection gave birth to grace. It's not the other way around. That is why Easter, which we'll be celebrating a couple of weeks from now, is so, so special. Even though every day should be, once we receive grace, every day should be Easter, but we take that Easter Sunday as symbolically to, to remember, just as we are doing, a, doing a, a communion and remembering of that resurrection, how critical, important uh, to us all. Timeline. When did he say all these things? I guess I already said it. He said it at last supper. This Verse 24 and 25 is what he said at Last Supper. He's saying that coming of grace is near in just a few days. And during this supper, Jesus broke bread and said, Take it, this is my body. And he took the cup, giving thanks, and offered them, saying the verse 24 and 25. And he told them to do this in remembrance of me. And we do this communion because what is written in chapter 14 of the book of Mars and other gospel books as well. Then Jesus told disciple, what will happen next few days? He said that Peter, of all the disciples, of all the people that he loved, will deny him three times. That actually gives us a lot of hope. Not only have we denied or God, Jesus once in a while, we betrayed and we just stuck him to 
our friends in the, in the back many times. But we have hope because of this kind of message. God turned the evil to good, the evil to grace. The savage act of how he was killed turned it into grace. He also predicted that one of his disciples would betray him. And surely enough, he was arrested. And then there was hype among the people to kill Jesus. And high priest got angry when Jesus said, yes, when Jesus was asked if he was the Christ, the Son of God. That was one of the first times Jesus admitted that I am the Son of God before he will not describe him as such. When Jesus admitted, the high priest condemned him. Verse 63 through 65, the high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all then condemned him as worthy of death. Then some became some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, Prophecy, and the guards took him and beat him. The killing act of savage has begun. And his trusted disciple, Peter, disowns Jesus. Why did this all happen? Perhaps because Peter feared the Romans. Perhaps he didn't want to go through the same kind of savage act, scorning or mockery or even death. But more importantly, he has not experienced grace. Because at that point, grace has not yet been poured out, has not been fulfilled yet. Only when he, Jesus dies and resurrects would that happen. And we'll talk about that in the next two weeks, his crucifixion and his resurrection. Next Sunday will be crucifixion on Easter, what? Resurrection. Which is two Sundays from today.